Welcome to the Aftershock with uh, Robert Jonas and Alex Morgan. I'm Phil Leva, and we're here tonight at PayPal Park after a 1-1 draw against FC Dallas. The opponent leaves the stadium with a point after another conceded goal in stoppage time for the Quakes. Alex, at six on the season. What are your initial thoughts after the match? Yeah, six stoppage time goals that the Earthquakes have conceded in 14 games so far this season. We don't know what the... The, the major league soccer record is, but I have to assume that the Quakes are on track to, to challenge that record for the number of stoppage time goals they've conceded. And they've been in a lot of big games. They've, you know, uh, let a lot of points slip this season. You think back, you know, to the Atlanta United game at the beginning of the season, mm. you think to the New York Red Bulls game, you think, you know, just last week to uh, the, the game at LAFC where they uh, give up uh, the three points in, in stoppage time. That's, that's four points they've dropped in, in just two weeks now. And it needs to be better. You know, it, it wasn't even – I had hard time being that disappointed in this game because it never really felt like they earned the three points anyways. Uh, so so clearly uh, they need to work on, you know, the, that late game management. And then in this one, they you know, they needed to find more ways to break down Dallas and, uh, and, and do a better job, uh, uh, you know, putting the ball in the back of that and putting in two or three early. So it sounds like you feel that the team didn't necessarily earn the three points. Robert, do you agree with that? I think uh, I was on record at halftime thinking a scoreless draw would have been fair for both sides. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the XG numbers, I mean, that's kind of what it played out to be. I mean, Dallas did start to get some chances there in the second half. And uh, I think they doubled the Quakes uh, expected goals by by the end of the night. But really, neither team seemed like they were threatening too much. Neither team was really able to exert themselves, especially in uh, sort of turnover situations like i noticed the quakes uh, they would selectively high press and i don't remember a real successful outcome to their to those executions mm-hmm. so, i mean they dallas just batted the ball around and it was getting able to get it up to half half line and, and then at that point it was just back to the grind again you know there's nothing that you know sort of uh, kind of showed me that you know the quakes were the active or the aggressor in this one and, and what was really interesting is that it, it almost felt like the quakes were playing themselves in this game, because you can still see sort of elements of, of Luchi Gonzalez's style that that Dallas have kept, you know, that Nico Estevez, their new coach, has has kept. They still play with a, a low block. And even though, you know, it wasn't particularly good, even though there was still tons of space, you know, the Quakes were not able to play through it. And uh, neither team was really aggressing and finding space in behind and, mm-hmm. and, and successfully able to pick the other team apart. Again, I think in this match, we did see some of the issues that we've talked about this season in terms of the left wing, right? I think there were a lot of moments in the match where we saw Jamiro Montero moving over to that side and Benji Kakanovic had a tendency to play a little more centrally in this match. And a lot of the play that came from the wing was coming from Miguel Trauco. So speaking of the back line, there was a big change here that a lot of folks didn't expect coming into this match and the center back position, right? We didn't see Jonathan Mensa. All we have so far is that there was some sort of violation of the team rules. We don't know exactly what that is yet. So Tanner Beeson has to step in as the substitute here in the match. Robert, uh, maybe some of your thoughts about Tanner's performance during this match. He was uh, at first credited with the goal, but we saw it was later credited to Benji Kikanovic. But just kind of considering his defensive performance, what are your thoughts here? I thought he did very well. I mean, he was very steady. I mean, we know, and I'm sure if we asked Tanner in a press in a press conference uh, about you know being ready for this game and being able to uh, you know kind of step into the into the off into excuse me to the starting eleven, he's going to you know say next man up. I mean, he has that attitude, and he's the kind of fellow who's going to be able to step in and do that. Um, having him play his more natural position on the left, and Rodriguez shifting over to the right, you know, the partnership looked much much more in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see Rodriguez go up the field more than. I think once he made one foray into the midfield and we normally will see him with Mensa protecting him doing that much more often. So there's a little bit lost there, but Beeson's ability to to stay solid in defense, I think was a big part of why neither team 
was really threatening, uh, threatening goal. And so, Alex, just wondering here, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Jonathan Mensa, whether or not he's going to be returning to the team anytime soon. How confident are you in Tanner Beeson being the replacement as center back, if that seems to be the case? T Tanner's been a starter in this Earthquakes team before. You know, he's he's had, you know, uh, stints in the starting lineup under Matias Almeida, mm. under Alex Cavello. We know he's capable of, of stepping up and playing that role. You know, he's not the guy who you want to rely on for the next 10 years, but he's an adequate backup. He played well tonight. You know, he got was dangerous in the box. And, and you know, I think he got the assist is what he ended up getting on that uh, Benji Kukanovic uh, goal from the corner. But, you know, Tanner Beeson was not the reason that the Earthquakes yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're lacking tonight. And, you know, I, I hope we're going to uh, be able to hear from Luchi Gonzalez more about the Jonathan Mensah situation, uh, because, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, he's clearly a leader in this locker room. You know, he's clearly an anchor in the defense. He has a solid, uh, you know, partnership with Rodriguez back there. And it's strange because, you know, given all of those qualities that he has, you wouldn't expect him to to be in violation of, of team rules. So hopefully we can get more clarity from Luigi Gonzalez about exactly what that means and, and what the plan is for him moving forward. Because, you know, Luigi Gonzalez has been very clear that he cares a lot about the process. He cares a lot about the accountability of this team to each other. And so, you know, that's why we saw this happen. He's not going to let, just because Jonathan Mensah is a captain, you know, on this team and, and one of the, the leaders, he's not going to let anything slide. So, mm. uh, so, so, so hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get more clarity about that when we speak to, to Luigi Gonzalez. Yeah, and we have some interesting uh, comments here in the chat, too, about what happened at the end of the match. We haven't really talked about that. And we don't yet have word about what exactly that was that transpired. But uh, Jutson did end up with a red card at the end of the match. There was a, I mean, I don't know how much was shown on the broadcast, but just watching up here from the press box, it was quite a large ordeal. Like, there was a lot going on afterwards. Uh, Jutson had to be restrained, basically, by... Uh, his his fellow teammates, and it kind of went on for a while. We even saw Chris Leach at one point coming down and speaking to Jutson himself. So kind of interesting to see uh, what comes of that and whether or not that's something that Lucci is going to be willing to discuss in the press conference as well and what more we can learn of that situation. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he had to be marked by by four different players to, to get him out of that scrum. Mm -hmm. I, I think Carlos Grezu had to physically carry yes. Judson <laughs> all the way to the opposite side of the field in order to restrain him and keep him. We, I, we It looked like he was yelling at a Dallas assistant coach. There had previously been sort of words exchanged. It was definitely something from the sideline. After yeah. the final whistle, he bulleted straight to the sidelines. And um, yeah, he, he clearly deserved the red card. Uh, for, for, you know, initiating that, that mass confrontation. And, and it, it was a second yellow card, I believe, because uh, he, he'd had the, the previous yellow card for a bit of a cheeky uh, bout of, of time wasting. So all in all, um, yeah, it was, it was ugly scenes at, at the end and, and clearly very frustrating for, for this mm -hmm. earthquake. And locker room, and I, I think one of the first times we've seen that frustration get the better of them. This for sure. Definitely, they've more seemed to have that kind of calming presence that we talk a lot about with Jonathan Mensa. This locker room has seemed to kind of be really consistent with that. Um, Robert, let's talk about some of the issues here with the depth. Um, you know, Tommy Thompson, one of the first to come off of the bench for the team. You know, what does this mean in terms of the options that the Quakes have? What does this exemplify when you have, you know, such a player coming in first? I mean, what what are we working with here in terms of the, the team's depth? Is it, you know... Well, you know, Phil, you said it at the beginning. I mean, this is a team that's given up six goals in the after the 90th minute, you know, and, and you know, that's part, partially your subs, and that's partially tactics when you bring in subs as to what kind of changes or modifications you can do. But, you know, I, you know, the Quakes do not have a deep bench, you know. It, in fact, you know, dare I say the Quakes didn't have much of a bench at all tonight that was going to really help them out. Judson is a good player to bring in, but uh, they sacrificed Jackson Ewell in the yeah. process. And that, that was a big change for this team in a way that, you know, they didn't necessarily lose control of the match. They were already giving the, the lion's share of possession to Dallas at that point being up one nothing but you know they didn't have anyone else that you felt uh if i looked at that bench that you felt comfortable that you could bring in and shore up the defense we've seen tanner come in and be a third center back at times this season mm -hmm. the third center back on the uh the bench was daniel muni who i don't think has uh, played a minute of, of mls if i recall i mean this these these are that's not depth. <laughs> i mean those are just guys that are you know kind of take, taking up the chairs sure you hope they can be ready sure but you know are you gonna you know count on those guys to see through on a one nothing game you know that's that's 
that's no, not and we haven't seen them at all this year really yeah, so, so that's, I, yeah. yeah so that is very disappointing i, so. I know we have we have a, a jabin moore our dear friend and, and co-host jabin moore behind the scenes producing for us tonight i think he's been pulling up some comments to try to prompt us here <laughs> jamie oh, yeah. if you could pull brian's comment back up that's just so striking to me the fact that the quakes have dropped 10 points in stoppage time this yeah. season could be first in the West. If they didn't allow any stoppage time goals this season, they'd have multiple road wins. They'd have more points at home. They would be first place, 29 points in the West, three points above the Seattle Sounders on 26 points. So that depth, that is the difference between the Earthquakes being a team that scrapes into the playoffs mm -hmm. and a team that is you're challenging yep. for, for silverware this season. And that's why the Quakes need to go into the transfer market uh, and, and sign some, uh, you know, back up, sign some new starting uh, players uh, as soon as it opens July 5th. That should be the expectation because the Quakes can be, they can be good this season, but it, it uh, depends on the, that uh, transfer business. And I know, I know we've been talking about this for a while, Phil. So I have come prepared with some ideas uh, oh, right. on, on tonight's oh, show. I did not do my homework. We, we had assigned homework for everyone who's here oh, last no. week. Phil uh, and I had assigned some homework <laughs> about uh, doing some scouting and helping the, the front office that, here. Uh, so I, I brought, uh, I, I completed <laughs> my homework. I, I, I brought it in. And so we can, we can circle back to that uh, later on. In, in the yeah, show. I think we should. Hey, I got a question though. Um, Jackson Yule is subbed out. Uh, for a second game in a row, this is a guy who normally goes the distance in these matches. Is this something to be concerned about, or is this just a matter of the Quakes have a midweek game and he's somebody that Lucci wants to rest? I mean, you're you're not doing a like for like substitution there, but you're taking Jackson out, who was playing a lot more almost in the double pivot with uh, Carlos Grasso tonight, and you know now you put in Judson, who's a bit more defensive. So you're making the adjustment again with a one nothing lead. But again, you are then risking that, you know, the opponents can be able to take more control of the game. And, and, and they did and, 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 you know, paid off for Dallas. They got, they find that equalizer. I mean, honestly, on that equalizer too, I mean, uh, Velasco is not a guy that I don't care where he is on the field. You give him that much space. I yeah. Mean, that was a beautiful pass. Nice then. And, 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 you know, Daniel, you know, no goalkeeper is going to make a save on that shot. It's a perfect looping header. And, and mm. you know, that, you know, well-deserved for Dallas, uh, you know, getting their equalizer there, you know, Jackson playing the rest of the game. I mean, maybe, you know, Jamiro comes out instead, you know, he had a great first half and he sort of sort of, you know, didn't have as much uh, going on in the second half. I didn't see a lot from Jackson to say he deserved to come off the field. Um, but, you know, it, coach's it, decision. it feels like there must be some sort of lingering fitness issue with Jackson because he used to be a guy that would every single game mm -hmm. play, yeah. play the full 90. That's He's the captain. Cap. He's starting every single game. That's not been the case in the last few weeks. He's been one of the first substitutions. Maybe that's because Judson has regained his fitness and, and is more available now. But I would still expect, you know, Jameer Montero uh, or other more offensive players to be, to be you know, above Jackson in that, uh, that mm -hmm. you know, sort of line of players to be substituted. And, and it's right that, that you know, I, I, I think uh, Ben Perez commented here that taking Jackson out has been sucking the life out of this team it does feel like you know he's offers stability in the midfield he offers them the ability to to possess the ball mm -hmm. and, and and keep the ball in their opponent's half in those last 10 minutes so that they can you know kill these games off because they weren't doing that tonight mm -hmm. they, they weren't able in those last 10 minutes to keep the ball in dallas's half you know we saw jameer montero take it to the corner and then immediately pass it back straight back to Dallas, who, who had a counterattack going the other way. The, the Quakes just don't know how to keep it in the other team's right. half. And it feels like there, there's some mental issues in the last 10 minutes, you know, with, with them being able to hold on to these leads and, uh, you know, some issues like that tactically about the, the midfield just holding on to the ball and, and sucking the game out. That's actually quite interesting. And it goes back to our point about the depth here because, you know, how effective is Judson in this sort of, you know, collected, calm, defensive posture that we've seen Throughout the season, you know, when Jackson Yule is in the game, you know, we know that Cruezo brings that as well, but things do shift once Jutson comes into play. So that might be something to think about going forward as to, you know, what effect that has for this team as they are trying to set up defensively. And we know that Lucci likes to, you know, keep that organization with the team. So, you know, it might be one of those areas of concern. Again, I know, Alex, last week we talked quite a bit about the forward position, right? the play on the left wing, having perhaps other options and the like the nine or like striker position, but maybe central defensive mid is another area of concern. If, you know, if Jutson is the only option. Well, look, 
the reason that I think that, that the Quakes should be investing in the offense and, you know, a, a dribbler who can be number 10 or, or a left winger or a number nine is because the problem started way before the final 10 minutes. The problem is the Quakes put themselves in that situation this game. They didn't put Dallas to bed early on. They didn't take advantage of all the space in the middle that Dallas were giving them. They barely were able to attack up through the middle. They did not get Jeremy Obobese involved in this one. Benji Kikanovich barely even touched the ball. He's getting the ball way too deep. Uh, deep and wide and not able to successfully attack the wide areas. Mm. The problem tonight was was that they didn't, in the first 45 minutes, look particularly dangerous. They didn't, for the first hour, look particularly dangerous. They only scored. They only had that lead because Dallas basically let them – you know, chauffeured the ball straight into yes. the back of the net yes. on that corner. That that shouldn't have been a goal in the first right. place. The Quakes got extremely lucky that I don't know who the defender was, but just let the ball walk yeah, yeah, yeah. across you him into the back of the net as if you were, you know, no understanding that the Quakes were having trouble scoring and, and wanting to ensure that they got the ball in the back of the net. The, the Quakes got lucky tonight. They, they they weren't good enough offensively tonight. So the mm. problems start, you know, way earlier and higher up the field than in the last 10 minutes, you know, they, they can sort it out. I have confidence they can sort that out. It's, it's, it's the offensive right. issues that are, but that it's, are it's really interesting though, because it tends to be on one side of the pitch. I mean, throughout the match, we're seeing Christian Espinoza finding that space and finding the passes behind the defense, which is why he's able to create those opportunities, right? We saw a number of crosses from Espinoza throughout this match, but we're not quite seeing it on the other side of the pitch. I mean, this is kind of a point we've, we brought up again and again, but you know, it's mostly Miguel Trauco or Jamiro Montero that's going out onto the wing. Again, it's Benji coming into the center and not necessarily occupying that space. I mean, is this the issue here? Or is like, what exactly should the Quakes be doing to create more of that offensive potency? Ooh, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of questions. In well, <laughs> I mean, it, it, they're just not occupying the space effectively they're on not, the left side is what I, i'm kind of getting at and, and tonight mm-hmm. was uh, you know unfortunately just a a, 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 a just a, a strong example of that i mean i think jamiro played a really good first half because you know he was the only one on the left doing anything to do anything and you're right benji really you know his meaningful touches in the first half were 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 very few if any. Yeah. i think know? he had 11 touches yeah that was a, that's, and, that's and again, total yeah. for nine, and, and the first half he had okay. 11 and then i think he had like 12, 13, yeah. something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. There were a few dangerous crosses. There were those moments where we saw Espinosa get those crosses into the box mm-hmm. and, and just miss some guys, a couple of good defensive stab outs. Uh, but uh, they weren't that goal dangerous. I mean, Jeremy Bovesy had you know a solid shot right at the goalkeeper in the second half. That was mm-hmm. you know something that you know again at least mm-hmm. a non-target shot. And but they were you know relying on Miguel Trauco miracle attempts to, yeah. to somehow get so, the first definitely. goal. So, so so here's the problem. That's, not going to be it. As I see it, the problem is that you know on the left wing is it is it you know Benji Kikanovich is not playing aggressively. He's dropping really deep so that when he gets the ball, he's just in, not in dangerous situations. He's you know getting the ball with three defenders between him right. and the goal, and and so sure. he then passes back in the middle and they cycle it all over again. Mm-hmm. He's not making aggressive runs in behind the defense, and you know he he the runs are are there for him to make. But sometimes in transition, you watch him and there's acres of space on the left side and he's not doing anything. He's jogging up the field. And that just indicates to me that he's not playing with the confidence, with the aggression that we know he has, that we've seen him play with in the past. But that's just not there right now. And and, and it seems like there's some confidence issue or, or mental roadblock uh, that, that that's there right now. And then, you know, the other problem is, is Jameer Montero, because you know, as active as he looks, as lively as he looks, I'm not really sure. I'm starting to doubt, be skeptical of whether he's actually meaningfully contributing to the offense, whether he's the, the touches that he has are productive. Because mm. we know Jameer Montero can nutmeg five different players. We right. know he can keep the ball in tight spaces and he can, you know, wow the crowd every now and then. But the bigger question is, can he play – Benji Kikanovich in behind in dangerous spaces. Can he connect the ball through Jeremy Abobasi forward and make runs in behind and, and, and really get in behind that back line? And, and he didn't do that tonight. For as much as he is on the ball, he's not dangerous and productive in the way that he has been in, in the past. And, and that's a problem. And that's why I think the Quakes really should go to the transfer market to find another creator like that. Yeah. 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 One, one thing I was uh, you know, kind of thinking about in the second half, too, is uh, when we saw Paul Marie 
get injured and then, you know, sort of stumble around for five minutes. And then eventually they, you know, they had to sub him out. And that's what we saw Tommy so early in this game. I mean, that shut off a whole part of the game that was working you know, pretty well. That, mm-hmm. that combination with Christian Espinosa has been so potent. You know, we saw, you know, Espinosa sort of drop down a bit and he, mm-hmm. he wasn't as active anymore either. And then, you know, so you've got the problems on the left, you then compound that uh, with uh, the injury on, with Marie on the right. And now, yeah, you're kind of uh, left sort of toothless, especially when you're got, getting nothing done in the middle of the field either. So, mm-hmm. you know, super, super fortunate to get the goal. I don't know the XG numbers exactly. But they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. I know, I know I, they're bad. Somebody, really somebody had, I think, uh, somebody had here that there was point. 04 XG yeah. in the in the first half. I'm curious whether our producer Jamin Moore can help us find the the full uh, XG stats I mean, because do, they're they're probably not. I do know the Quakes had essentially zero opportunities after the goal. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you mm-hmm. want to call that, you know, settling in for the one nothing win and and seeing if they can play the game out, there was no outlet, and that's you saw the possession numbers just tilt wildly in Dallas's favor at that point. And you know, I I don't know if any coach or any team can withstand uh, an, an opponent coming at them that much and that yeah. often and, and and come out of it. You know, it, it did take a, a nice goal from Dallas, a great goal from Dallas to 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 get the tie, but. I mean, San Jose wasn't doing themselves any favor by not having any offensive uh, push. And, and I would say Dallas, I, I'm really curious about the XG because I actually think Dallas had the better chances throughout the game. I think oh, Danielle yeah. actually had a really, really solid performance in goal. And this is the first time we've seen him in yeah. goal since the beginning of the season, since the second game of the season when mm-hmm. he, he went out injured. And and he had a really nice save, a couple in the first half from Jesus Ferreira that he, he tipped onto the post. Uh, he looked good tonight. It was not his fault uh, that uh, – you know, the earthquakes conceded that late goal. It was an incredible header looping into yeah. the, the top corner. He couldn't have done anything, but he, he had already had to make a few yeah. saves yeah. just to, just to keep the quakes in the game. That was going to be my next question was your thoughts on Daniel's performance um, going into the match against Seattle. I mean, do you foresee Daniel possibly having the starting role for this team or is this JT Marcinkowski's to take? It's Daniel. Yeah, I mean, he's fully healthy now. It's pretty clear Lucci sees him as his number one goalkeeper. And unless he gets hurt or or, or you know, basically just has dismal performances, I think we're seeing uh, the Quakes number one right now playing in goal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he showed enough to keep the, the starting spot tonight. And as long as he stays fully fit, because that, that is kind of an open question. He did have to get surgery on the, the, the right or left knee, I believe. And he was holding it at the end of the game. And so uh, that could indicate there's still some nagging injury issues there. So I expect he'll keep that starting spot if he keeps putting in performances like this. But Jamin, thankfully, has been able to, to source the XG for us. XG was 0.8 for Dallas and 0.4 for San Jose. That's got to be one of San Jose's lowest XG totals this whole season, I have to think. Yeah, I think that rounds to zero, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> But uh, no, that I, that's definitely going to be low. And they're home too. I mean, the, you know, yeah. this is a good sized crowd tonight. I mean, yeah. they, were, they, you know, there's a, I'm sure they're getting a bump off the Levi's game. You know, it's mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend. You know, a lot of folks out there, and, and this team just didn't put out a performance that I think, uh, you know, those those fans deserved. And it's point four. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Four. That's that's pretty. That's pretty low. <laughs> Don't need to be a stats person to know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, while we have a moment, I want to direct folks over to quakesepicenter.com. And I want to thank everybody for joining us once again. Quakesepicenter.com. That's where you'll find the articles written by uh, Robert Jonas, for one, Jamin Moore, Anae Patel, uh, all of our writers who contribute to our website. You can find their work on there. And you can find the salary spreadsheet uh, that kind of puts together the budget as far as we know within the parameters of the MLS salary cap. Uh, that is compiled by Colin Etnire. So head over to quakesepicenter.com where you can find that. Also, the Quakes Epicenter Patreon. You can become a patron for just $2 a month and get early access to those articles as well as some of the footage that we have from the match, including from our uh, sideline photographer, Sarah Leva. So you can check that out. If you contribute $5 a month, you can get access to our Slack as well, which has been great lately. It gives you an opportunity to talk to some of the folks who contribute to Quake's Epicenter. Uh, one of them, gentlemen, we got to meet tonight, Satish. We saw him downstairs. We had to chat to him for a little bit, and we did see a couple other folks who came over and said hello. So it'll give you a chance to kind of uh, talk about the Quakes during the match, on the uh, you know outside the match as well during the week. All the really hardcore fans are on there to hear all the check it out. The juicy takes that that don't make the the air. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, you got to go in there to find out what they are. <laughs> so. And I, I also want to direct people to, to the article uh, published this week on the website mm -hmm. by Jamin Moore. I know he just commented in the Slack. I, I'm, I'm right here with you, Jamin. Uh, and he ran some simulations uh, for uh, what uh, the rest of the season could look like for the San Jose Earthquakes. So if you're curious what the playoff odds are for the Earthquakes right now, check out that article. It tells you what the Quakes need to do to make that playoff spot. You know what my one big takeaway was? My one big takeaway was that this match was a huge opportunity for the Earthquakes if they want to get a home playoff position. Because mm -hmm. the gist of it is the Earthquakes are in a position where they should be making the playoffs. That's no longer expectations. They need to reset expectations this season, their goals for this season, because they're already you know in the upper half of the Western Conference. They've mm -hmm. already done enough that they're in really, really good position to, to make the playoffs. Now the question is not are they, are they going to make the playoffs. It's can they take that next step and get a home playoff match uh, for their for that first uh, match that they play because look if they if they get in away match we know what's going to happen we know this team is not mm -hmm. you know successful on the road uh, you know with these new formats yeah. where you're playing three games uh, you know two two on the road one at home that's not a good format for them if they're going to want to make a push in the playoffs which we know they can do they're going to want that home uh, playoff uh, draw and in order to get that. They really need to keep they winning at home. Points this was home. a huge match against a team that is going to be right in them, in, in that battle uh, with them. A team at FC Dallas that's, you know, I think right above them, directly above them in the in the Western Conference. This was a big opportunity that they fumbled. So what are our expectations for the Quakes going into the midweek match against the Seattle Sounders? Because it's going to be quite difficult. They got to go play on the road on Wednesday, and then they have to follow up with another match, right? We have three matches within eight days. Uh, going into Seattle, I mean, is this an opportunity for the Quakes to perhaps, you know, put forth a strong team, take a point perhaps, or is it simply a wash and they're not going to get anything out of it? You hope they go in there and, and, and you know, try to try to, uh, you know, hit a Seattle team that's also, you know, potentially going to be, you know, resting guys or, or maybe they're thinking rotation. You know, mm -hmm. if you mentioned Jackson coming out earlier, maybe this is part of that strategy, keeping him as fresh as possible, you know, how important he is. And if you're at one nothing, you take a chance, maybe. Um, I would like to see, you know, the, the, the Quakes shake up a little bit here, um, you know, just to, to in terms of, you know, spend these next couple of days, maybe take that juice and anger and bottle it into some positive emotions as well and, and recognize that with a point gone or two points gone tonight, it's really up to them to, to, to make up for it on Wednesday. Bounce back now and, and hopefully they, uh, this tie will just show up in the, uh, the form guide and no one will know any better that it was just a point at home. And it looks like very soon we're going to be headed to the press conference with Luchi Gonzalez. So we'll bring you that live there right now. Hey everyone, good night. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're now joined by head coach Lucci Gonzalez. So let's start with a question from Alex Morgan. Hi, Lucci. Uh, thanks for, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's good to speak to you. Um, you know, that's the you know uh, third game in a row that you guys have conceded in stoppage time. Uh, you know, how tough is it to to you know drop points like that? What do you think is going wrong in those? you know, last 10 minutes that, that put you guys in, in that situation. Third game it was the last game. LAFC and galaxy. We conceded stoppage. No, I believe so. Yes. I don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. No. That's incorrect. Anyway, look, it, yeah, look, it ha it has happened other times for sure, but um, it's part of the game. I mean, the team's down. They're losing. They're going to push numbers. Desperate. The game. Um, everything we do and, and adjust on off the field during that moment is to see the game out, to win, to get the point, the three points, home or away. And so – I think, okay, Galaxy, there was 2-0, and then we scored. Okay, you're right, Alex. You're right. So for me, it's like um, it's the nature of the game. I mean, I think, I think it's important that we don't, we don't overreact or, or 
be over, overly stimulated or concerned. You know, we're competing in every single one of these games in, in these moments. And it could have they, they could have easily bounced our way. And uh, they, they haven't. But if we keep working and we keep believing, keep putting ourselves in those positions to have won or tied in those moments, it, it will bounce our way. It's about continuing to do our best each day, each moment. And we have the group that it will bounce our way. We have the group that it will bounce our way. Maybe six times in a row, maybe three times in a row. I don't know. Home or away. So it's just, it's, yeah, the, you know, the, the trends or streaks, I don't believe in that being something that we, we want uh, that, that we count on. It, it just naturally happens, you know, and they could, the street can go the other way and, but it's not going to happen because you're focused on the fifth game of the, of the six. It's going to happen because you focus on one moment at a time and that's what we're going to do, you know, and that's what we got to do now in the next step against Seattle. Next question, Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you, coach. Um, one thing, uh, looking at your bench tonight, it looked a little bit uh, more bare than we've seen maybe at other points this season. Uh, I was hoping you could uh, address uh, the absence of Jonah Mensa, as well as uh, if you know having fewer options on the bench contributed to the, the decision to be as defensive as the team was with just a one-goal lead. Thank you. Yeah, J Jonah um, was not on the roster. Uh, tonight, he's been an important player for us on and off the field. Um, a good leader, uh, you know. There, he's not. He wasn't available tonight due to an internal um, process that you know that has to do with team rules. And so, um, we just have to, um, you know, continue to be uh, be ready and show we're a team and guys ready to sh to step up. But. You know, I have a lot of faith in, in Jonah having a good response and the team having a good response and him hopefully being available, um, you know, after after a short amount of time. Next up, David Moore. Unmuted. Muted. Look, uh, Dallas are a good team. You know, um, Nico has a similar background to me in terms of what we've experienced in the last few years uh, about the game, about uh, identity, about um, attacking, defending mentality. So, you know, give give Dallas their credit. They're a good team. They've won games away. Um, they're a good team. You know, and they're well coached. So, and they're competitive. They have personality. So it. it it was a tough game. You know, we weren't happy with, you know, the some of the, the loss of possessions in the first half where we, I think we could have connected more passes, had more sequences and patience um, to find numbers, to then attract and then break lines. And then I thought we did that better second half, you know, and, and I think weathering is a part of uh, a mentality that, that we have to do sometimes, home or away. And I thought we did that better in the second half. I thought we, we created more build we we did better to stay organized defensively to get pressure on the ball um and we earned our goal on a set piece which we've been working hard to, to do that um you know jabo was strong physically to hold the ball up and we improved our build up because of that that and then you know i thought tanner had a really good night piece and in terms of just controlling the back line his physicality uh his he communicates and his build up so you know, it's uh, the team adapted, adjusted, and again, we almost win tonight, whether we were playing at our best or not. And I think a team that shows that play, not playing at their best in terms of an XG, right? And we always want to fly an XG. We take a lot of pride in that. Um, but even when that's not uh, the, the standard we want, we can still find a way to win. And I thought we did that. And then look, at the end, it was unfortunate. You know, they're, they're bombing, they're putting balls in the box and committing center backs in the box. and 
it, they, they nick one. So it happens. Let's now take a question from Michael Roberson. All right, coach. Um, what do you say to your goalkeeper when he has a clean sheet for 93 minutes and then the, the shot goes in in 94th minute? And then were you aware of who scored the goal for you guys? Was it Benji or was it Beeson? Because there's a controversy with that. Were you aware of who scored the goal at that time? Yeah, look, honestly, I, I did not um, concern myself with who scored in that moment. It was about preparing for the next moment. Um, and it doesn't matter who scored it. It's just about the collective. So, so that wasn't the focus. Um, and then, you know, with, um, with, with their response at the end, again, you know, when, when you're, you're throwing center backs in the box, we have to be ready to close down crosses, not give away free crosses and, and then defend those with physicality and look for Daniel, like you said, having a good performance over the 90, uh, to concede is, is definitely easy. He's uh, he's heartbroken. You know, he's worked hard to to rehabilitate injuries that have kept him away from the competition. But but overall, he had a pretty good pretty good night. And um, and I know he's disappointed, and the team's disappointed for him. But you know, he's a he's a soldier, and uh, he's adapting to the league, and he has great competition uh, with, with JT, and they support each other a lot. And you know, he'll I I I know just like JT has this season, I, I expect Daniel to bounce back. Let's go ahead and take a second question from Alex Morgan before jumping to the Spanish portion. Go ahead, Alex. Hi, Lucia. Thanks for, for taking another question. Just wondering if you can provide a little clarity as to what happened you know, after the match. Um, it looked like Judson uh, was sent off, but uh, it wasn't entirely clear uh, from TV and from up in the press box what, what went down, what was the cause of the confrontation there, and, and what the outcome was, and, and you know, what you think about it. Yeah, look, the, these games are, are heated, and there's emotion and passion behind behind uh, what we do, the staff, the players. Uh, and look, we're we're disappointed the the tying goal at the end, and then there's emotion. But um, you know, uh, there's there was definitely some antagonizing uh, from from the opposition, uh, from the bench area, in terms of staff, and you know, and I do I do think the league needs to treat that equally with players and staff and be very clear about, um, you know, holding everyone to a high standard. Um, but look, we have to control our emotions and, uh, and, you know, um, Judson and, uh, gets another yellow and now he's not available in the next game. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's disappointing not to have a player of his, his experience and his quality, not available for us in the next game in the next moment. So, but, but he's a human being and he showed his emotion and, and uh, and he fought for himself and his teammates. So you know that's this happens, and we gotta we gotta try to learn from it and and uh, and continue to balance our our ability to compete and show aggressiveness to fight for each other, fight in the game, and at the same time also do things legally to stay uh, in the game and stay in the next game and the next moment. So you know, uh, but I'm I'm proud of our guys to get each other's back and to fight for each other and fight for this club. Um, but, but, you know, we've got to keep figuring out how to do it uh, a better way. And, and, uh, I'm very confident we will. Let's now do two questions in Spanish from Ewan Guiano. Luchi, ¿qué tal? Un gusto hablar contigo. Uh, un resultado frustrante, estando a pocos minutos de la victoria. Para ti, ¿qué le faltó al equipo en este partido específicamente? ¿Cómo vistes hoy al ataque? Y mi segunda pregunta sería, ¿cómo este resultado cambia la preparación para el próximo partido? Gracias. No, claro, una decepción estar ganando al final y con tiempo adicional eh, que te meten el gol de empate. Y, y claro, nosotros pensé que estábamos manejando bien, bien los momentos, el partido. No vimos cambios necesarios. Había buena energía, buen, buen control del juego, buen manejo y y ponen una pelota en el área con un central en el área y cualquier cosa puede pasar y, y bueno, desafortunadamente entró. O sea que, claro, decepcionado con eso, pero creo que respondemos bien en la segunda mitad con mejor organización defensiva, más compactos para ganar la pelota y crear eh, ataque. 
Yo sé que el ataque no, no fue lo ideal, eh, normalmente como lo hacemos en casa, pero es un buen equipo, Dallas es un buen equipo, y juegan bien, y es un partido difícil, eh, o sea que crédito a ellos, ellos también. Y mira, al final había emoción que tenemos que seguir mejorando para buscar el equilibrio de, de pelear y, y, y ser agresivo para, para nosotros mismos, el equipo, el club, y, pero al mismo vez también controlar las lo, emociones todos, no, yo, el, el equipo para para competir en el próximo momento, pero eh, vamos a aprender y ir para adelante y, y preparar para hacer. Perfect, thank you everyone. We'll be bringing Tanner Beeson here in a couple minutes. Good night. Oh, great. Well, it looks like we're going to hear from Tanner Beeson. That's exciting, considering uh, you know his his role in this match and playing almost getting the clean sheet, as we had discussed earlier, and stepping in nicely for Jonathan Minza. So let's talk about some of the um, the thoughts that Lucci shared with us from from tonight's press conference. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Um, just you know, you asked about the uh, conceding goals late, and he responded to that. Uh, just you know, some of your thoughts in regards to what he had to say about it. Yeah, I mean, to clarify, the earthquakes have conceded in stoppage time in the last three games. They conceded in stoppage time tonight, drop points. They conceded in stoppage time against LAFC, drop points. They conceded in stoppage time against uh, the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy was their second goal of the night, and then Buddha scored another one shortly That's after right. that. But it, it was in stoppage time, so that was the, uh, the sort, of, sort of miscommunication mm -hmm. there that happened. And, you know, it, it does feel – a, a little unsatisfactory his answer given the pattern that's happened where they've dropped 10 points in stoppage time this mm. season you know it, it feels like they should train for those moments more and that you know in those last 10 minutes they need to be more prepared for you know hoofing the ball long keeping the ball in the corner uh, and and you know killing the game uh, with these you know composure in 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 the final third that they they lacked tonight mm -hmm. uh, so so you know it does feel like they should train for that stoppage time in a way that maybe hasn't been been given attention or, or focus yet and robert he talked a lot about the changes in the second half and how there were improvements uh, did you see the game that way or did you perhaps feel that it was a little bit different from the way in which lucci uh, read it I, I did think the Quakes came out of the gate to, to start the second half, you know, decent. I mean, they were getting a little more pressure, like you said. But, I mean, this, this Quakes team was not able to get the ball back in their high press almost at all tonight. So I'm not sure if it, I was seeing a, a vast amount of improvement. But, again, if you want to play numbers, yeah, they had more quality shots in the second half by far than anything they did in, in the first half. But worryingly, they they had zero, you know, expected goals or no shots, uh, essentially, after the goal went in. You know, they went completely defensive. And so, you know, hearing that, you know, there's no guarantee that Jonah Mensah will be back for the Seattle game. We now know Judson's not going to be part of the Seattle game. You know, you, you, you potentially are taking two more defensive players out and really kind of inviting Seattle to be, a, you know, mm -hmm. to be a more attack-minded team at home, you know, with that crowd behind them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. So were there moments in the second half? Uh, okay, you know, but was, you know, I think he even said it wasn't their best game of the season. And I think we can all agree it was definitely not their best game of the season. I, I want to circle back if I can. I don't want to hijack the, the conversation here, but I want to circle back to the, the talk of stoppage time because I'm seeing some comments here. You know, I, I think, look, there's the lack of depth which is, is one thing, and uh, it certainly didn't help to have you, you know, one of your leaders, Jonathan Mensa, you know, gone tonight. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there's a little more to it than that. I think that's the reason why we've seen the Quakes generally struggle in the last half hour of these games. But I also think there's some decision-making that's specific to the, the game state of stoppage time that they can improve. There's the idea of, okay, when you get the ball you know, in your own half, where are you looking to clear it that's effective? Are you looking for the pass first? Are you who are you looking to get the ball to? Who's going to be the the offense? You know, the attacker who's at the halfway line, and what is their job to hold up the ball or to look and go and score? You know, when you get the ball in the corner, what are you doing? It feels like the Quakes aren't making good decisions in those moments, and so look, the depth is certainly a concern. But when you're allowing so many goals in the 94th, 95th, 96th minute, you know, it doesn't really matter who's on the field as long as they know. I'm going to hoof the ball here. I'm going to look for this outlet. I'm going to keep the ball in this situation. And this is what we're going to do in stoppage time. Because sometimes it feels just like that, that, you know, 
teams fall back on sort of their their instincts mm-hmm. in stoppage time. Right. Whatever the instinct is, because there's so much pressure and there's so many nerves that you're just trying to get the ball long, that you're just trying to get the ball anywhere but here. I feel like the Quakes can plan for that a little bit more. And maybe I'm not giving, uh, you know, Luchi Gonzalez enough credit. Maybe they're already doing that. But clearly what they're doing right now is not working. Well, well oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, Luchi mentioned that, you know, almost like it's a law of averages that, you know, they're not going to be giving up as many goals if they continue to play they are. So it feels mm-hmm. like yeah, that answer to me tells me that he feels the team is doing enough to to, to prevent goals. But, you know, I know it's a short or small sample size, but it's worrisome. I mean, you can't just keep giving up goals right. and imagine it's going to correct itself in a, in a season where, you know, especially like tonight, you know, you could say they'll get the game at LAFC. Those are some points they could really be. They offer, it feels like it should be treated like any other game state, you know, with the same level of seriousness. Robert Jones is about your role when you, when you play off the bench. You know, today you got to, to play in the starting lineup. Uh, when did you get the information that you would be starting tonight and, and how did that uh, affect your preparation? And then number two, uh, we, there's still some question about who actually scored that goal tonight. We'd love to hear your, uh, your play-by-play on the corner kick. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I was communicated with, uh, as far as your, your first question, I was communicated with yesterday. Uh, Lucy spoke with me. Um, and in terms of affecting my preparation, I like I, I think you always have to prepare as though you're going to play. Um, my position is like especially like that because, um, of course, in, unless there's substitutions laid on to affect the game, generally, I, you know, uh, I'm not going to go in unless uh, there's something later on. So um, I always have to prepare as though something happens to someone or there's an injury early on and I, you know, I go in in the second minute, and um, so just always try to prepare like that. And uh, tonight's a, a good example of of why why you do that. So um, all good on that. And then on the goal, um, I just I like got a flick on it, and then turned around, and it was like spinning in. Uh, so I was like, oh, cool. Um, and then I haven't like watched it back, but. Benji gave me a rundown that it hit his face after I headed it. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not the decider. So, uh, but we're cool, me and Benji. Thanks, Henry. Would you uh, say that? Michael, do you hear us? Michael Riverson? Oh, okay. I, th- I thought Ryan was still talking. All right. So, yeah. So I was going to ask you the same question about the goal, but. As, as as you guys had the lead and they, they announced the six minutes for uh, stoppage time, and it looks like you guys are going to get a clean sheet and all that, and then they scored in the fourth minute of uh, extra time. How deflating was that for you? Um, yeah, I mean that's that's obviously disappointing. Um, you know, we were playing at home, and uh, like you said, I have the lead going into stoppage time, so uh, you certainly want to to close that game and um collect all three points um so it's disappointing for sure um there's positives that we can take away as well and, and we'll do that when we reflect on on video and stuff like that but uh, but certainly disappointed not to not to take all three points next uh jimmy moore unmuted hey tanner uh obviously you started tonight but you've also been coming off the bench to try to protect you know leads uh more recently uh, someone came up with a number that the team has conceded uh, 10 points in uh, six games by giving up stoppage time goals. Can you maybe give some, shed some light on, you know, is, is the team you think being too defensive with a one goal lead uh, since this keeps happening, uh, you know, should, should the team be a little bit more aggressive and going forward or no, this is, this is the way that, uh, you know, we, we want to play. We want to, we believe we should be able to protect these leads and it's just not getting done. Uh, in some of these situations. What, what's your perspective on it? Thank you. Muted. Uh, well, we certainly believe in ourselves, believe in our ability to to close games. And uh, I think we have to continue to have that belief um, because you have to, you have to go into these games and into these situations with self-belief and team belief. So we'll, we'll continue to, 
to um, to attack those kind of situations with confidence. Of course, it's a good thing to be in the situation where you're winning uh, first instead of chasing the game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, of course, all, all these I don't I don't know the like stats or whatever on that, but um, the situations when we concede, it's not as though we're conceding the same way, you know. Um, so I, I would say that while there might be data to suggest something, the um, the situations in which they're transpiring are are quite different. Um, last week, uh, a ball went off Vela's, uh shin and hit me in the the hand, and and this week uh, there was a a header from 15 yards out flicked on perfectly in the top corner. So um, each week and each each of those moments are different and. And we've just got to uh, turn the page and, and attack Wednesday. Thanks, Tanner. Um, does anyone else have one more question for, for Tanner? Oh, Pedro, if I could jump in, that'd be great. This is Alex. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. We'll, we'll, we'll take this one. We'll make this one the last one. Go ahead. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. Uh, Tanner, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, generally how you guys are approaching, you know, those stoppage time situations. I, I hate to have to hone in on it because as you say, you know, it's good for you guys to be, you know, in situations where you're having the lead going into stoppage time. But, you know, you guys, you know, given that you've now, uh, you know, given up so many points, you know, in those situations, I'm curious, you know, oftentimes I feel like maybe it's just the instinct is to hoof it long, you know, whenever the ball gets in dangerous situations and you kind of just drop back defensively as much as you can. Do you think that you guys could be doing a better job of holding the ball, you know, in the other team's half? You know, what's what's the way you guys, you know, are approaching those, you know, stoppage time situations? And, and, and do you think that that's something that you guys should be, like, addressing and, and looking at? Uh, well, I, I certainly think we'll, we'll try to look at it um, because we want to win games. Uh, we want to close those games. Uh, in terms of like the approach, uh, it, it varies, you know, there's no singular answer to all these situations. Um, you know, especially being someone that's come on in a number of those games, uh, where we are winning, whether we finish the game winning or not, um, the tactics are, are different because different people enter in different positions. Um, the situation is different, whether we're home or on the road. Um, so, there's certainly things we can do better. There's no doubt about that. Um, and then that has to be our, our approach and our focus is that there's things we can do better. Um, and we'll look at that. The staff does a great job of putting together things that, um, succinctly that we can look at to improve. And, um, we'll certainly do that to, to try to improve this facet of the game, like, like all the other facets of the game. All right, thank you, Tanner. Thank you, everyone. And uh, good luck uh, for the next two games coming up here next week. All right, um, Alex, asking the, the questions basically in regard to what we just talked about on the show in terms of settling in at the end of the match, defending, uh, going into, you know, the past the 90-minute mark. Just some of your thoughts in regard to what Tanner Beeson had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you know, it's not something that they've addressed specifically, you know, these late game stoppage time goals. I'm, I'm curious if there's anything else you picked up uh, that, that I was missing. I mean, he, he talked about, you know, the adjustments that have to be made when you bring different subs in. And, you know, clearly it's a different team when Judson's on the field versus when he's not. You know, he's not someone who's going to build out of the back and, and, and successfully pass out of pressure. Um, so that changes things up. You know, they've often gone to three center backs with the lead, you know, as opposed to tonight where they didn't really have that option off the bench. So that was a different adjustment uh, to to the way they tried to to defend and, and, and keep that one goal lead. So I think there are some game to game uh, differences. But uh, when the results are the same, then yes, that's when you need to yeah. sort of take stock of it. And I don't think Tanner is in a position where he's going to be able to question the the, the coaching staff. And mm -hmm. I think they kind of said it in that way. We need to make improvements, you know, and, and he's going to say it from the player's point of view. But, I mean, it goes back to, you know, the, the coaching staff setting them up for success. If they are giving them adjustments and they're not working, then the coaching staff needs to continue to find the adjustments that are going to keep them, uh, keep them with those points and not uh, going home disappointed. I mean, and to the extent that they – 
need defensive depth, I, I think you have to be looking at uh, another fullback because Tommy Thompson, we know he can get down the wing. We know he can combine well with Christian Espinosa. And he did that tonight. I think he was the one who won the free kick from which the, the Quake scored. But mm-hmm. defensively, I don't think he's cutting it. We saw that goal come from, from their right side. And we saw you know Dallas get in behind Tommy Thompson uh, you know, a few which times in the happen. second half, which tends to happen. So if there's any spot where they need to improve that defensive depth, it's, it's probably right back. You know, especially with, you know, a guy like Paul Marie who has a tendency to throw himself into every challenge and to, you know, be sprinting up and down the wing all game. He's he's really such a central part mm-hmm. of the way that this team attacks now. One of the reasons I think that we've seen Christian Espinosa succeed so much is because, you know, of the, the combination with, with Paul Marie. Uh, but, you know, when he's not, you know, there for the full 90 minutes, you start seeing problems. All right, gentlemen, as we head into this midweek match against the Seattle Sounders, let's go ahead and... Uh provide our closing thoughts as we finish the show tonight. So Robert Jonas, your, your final thoughts as we head out of here, uh, Quakes have the road match coming up against Seattle on the road. What do you think? Uh, we, we've seen some interesting Quakes uh, bounce, bounce back games in Seattle. We've also seen the Quakes go to Seattle and, and get their, uh, their plates handed to them pretty, <laughs> pretty clearly. So, um, you know, maybe a, a, a bit of a surprise would be, be nice to see. Uh, I do, I do feel that, uh, you know, the, the talk of emotions and emotions being put in the right direction that Lucci did mention at the end of his press conference is something that clearly is going, uh, that those discussions are happening in the locker room. We did a much later start to the press conference tonight than we normally have. So there, there was talking, there were conversations going on. And with such a quick turnaround, you know, I said it earlier, you know, here's a chance to not let this linger too much longer. You know, put this, you know, you know subpar performance behind them and, uh, you know, give some hope that they can get road, road points because at some point they're going to need to do something away from home to not only, you know, you know ensure themselves a playoff spot, but to have any chance to even advance in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, I know where I'm looking way out there, but you know, these are the kind of games against teams like Seattle, a midweek fixture where you might have a chance to sneak up or surprise an opponent. That's, that's kind of my message to the team. Bottle that juice and emotion and see what they can do up north. All right, Alex Morgan, your final thoughts. Well, I probably, I have to turn in my homework. I have to, I have to, I have to show my transfer work. Talk. Uh, transfer go. talk. So we promised uh, last week that, that we would come with ideas so that we're not repeating ourselves ad nauseum on the show. Uh, you know, we have to actually come with ideas, but who the San Jose earthquakes can add to make this offense better. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> he was thinking he could go I'm by with trouble. that. Oh. Trying to get in. Um, look, here's, here's my suggestion. You know, you know what, what games I've been, been watching uh, this last few weeks? Some under 20s? Some under 20s. Yeah. Exactly Some right. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Robert knows his quakes. Uh, by the way, important to put a pin in that. If people haven't been watching the under 20s, you should be watching the U.S. under 20s in the under 20 World Cup because they are now in the knockout stages. They've successfully gotten out of the group stages. You've seen Cade Cowell score multiple goals. Nico Shakiris scored yeah. a goal, been getting in off the bench. You know, former Quakes Academy player Diego Luna has been He's combining been with Cade, been spectacular with Cade mm-hmm. Cowell up top. Those have been really fun games to watch. It's awesome to see three San Jose Earthquakes Academy alumni leading the line uh, for uh, the U.S. U-20s. Uh, shows, you know, yeah. the strength uh, of the, you know, the, the, the organization's, you know, youth setup and all the talent they have here in the Bay Area. And I think, here's my, here's my take. I think that the Earthquakes might want to take a look at Diego Luna and inquire about his availability. Here's why. Diego Luna is a Bay Area native. He grew up in Palo Alto. I played on Diego Luna's club soccer team for two or three years. That was the peak of, of my own uh, soccer <laughs> career. But, but uh, yeah, we, we, we were at, at one point we were on the same team. Uh, and and uh, look, Diego Luna was playing in the Quakes Academy. He was playing on a futsal team with Cade Cowell for multiple years. Cade Cowell got the homegrown contract. Diego Luna did not get the homegrown contract at the time from Jesse Fiorinelli. Uh, and he wanted a different option. He wasn't seeing the right pathway for him in the Earthquakes organization. So he left to go to Arizona uh, and play at the Barcelona Academy there. Then by by way of El Paso locomotive in the USL, he lit up uh, the, the USL. I think he was the uh, you know, highest ever transfer free from USL to Major League Soccer. 
uh, and uh, he moved to Real Salt Lake. Here's the thing. This season, he has not been getting minutes for Real Salt Lake. I know a lot of Real Salt Lake fans who see him play for the under-20s, the U.S. Youth National Team setup, who are mad that he is not getting minutes. He deserves to be getting more minutes at Real Salt Lake. The problem at Real Salt Lake is they don't really play with the number 10. They don't play with the kind of creative dribblers uh, that, that Diego is. They don't really have room for him. And so I think Diego Luna, if he if he's not able to put together a move to Europe, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's possible that on the basis of this under 20 performance, he's able to, you know, secure a, a move to Europe, a two, $3 million move to, to a lower level Bundesliga team, to a, a team in, in the Netherlands, to a team in, in France, somewhere where he could take the next step up in Europe. It's possible that's, you know, that's what he, he could able to be, be able to get out of this, uh, uh, this U20 World Cup. But if he wants to conquer MLS first, if he wants to stick in MLS, if he thinks that he should be getting regular minutes as a starter in Major League Soccer before making that jump, I think the Earthquakes are a good team for him to do that because the, Earth, the Earthquakes organization is almost entirely different. A lot of the sort of the, the youth team coaches are different. A lot of the academy coaches are different. You have a different general manager. You have a different uh, Earthquakes coach than the team, uh, than, than, than the club when, when he was at the club in, 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 you know, in, in 2016, 2017, 2018. So there's new faces in San Jose and a new project. And so I think uh, that, that that might be able to attract him back to San Jose and I think he'd be really good in that position with uh, Jamiro Montero in that number 10 spot or mm. on the left wing where Benji Kakanovic is playing. I think he could be that dribbler that the earthquakes are missing, especially in those situations where they're trying to break down teams who are playing low blocks. He has the ability to, to, to you know, get by two or three players to make the right passes direct in the final third. And he's really, really dangerous. So I think he could be uh, that player for the earthquakes. And, you know, it, it, I, I, I think it could be a, a really good move for both parties. All right. Well, that was great, Alex. I'm glad that you did your homework. <laughs> um, that means you need to come with two signings next week. I, right? I'll, I, will, I will come with two signings next week. Um, just my final thoughts as we head out of here. The, the match for the Seattle Sounders could be a trap match, which is a huge benefit for the Earthquakes. This is just one of those situations where they can catch them off guard in a midweek game. But here's the thing. I think the Quakes are going to be a little bit short on some of their best players coming into this match. I mean, you have players who have possible knocks, including Paul Marie, uh, Jackson Ewell, who we don't know the full story behind that yet, but that could certainly be an issue for them. And considering how important that position has been for Christian Espinoza, that could damper that area of the pitch as well. So that's going to be one of the concerns I'm going to be looking at as we are you know, approaching this match against the Seattle Sounders to see whether or not the Quakes can kind of shore up that position to continue to create opportunities if they are there. So that's one of the big things I'll be looking forward to. What do you, what, what you got? Else? I mean, I just don't think Seattle has many trap matches. I don't think the trap matches is a, is a, a concept <laughs> up in, a, up in Seattle. I, I don't think that the Seattle is a team that, that drops a, a ton of points at home. I, I mean, I am seeing, can this I, this is the uh, definition of a trap match folks. See everything, all the confidence <laughs> that he's exuding here. It's exactly what it is. So. <laughs> oh, look, can I, can I, can I also jump in? I'm yeah, seeing some comments it. here about Diego Luna as well. Um, there's a couple other reasons I, I think it'd be a good move. I think that we've seen him combine really well with Cade Cowell. If you're looking to get Cade Cowell, you know, in behind in dangerous situations, we know Diego Luna can combine well with him and, and they have really yeah. good uh, chemistry. We also know that I just think it's a, it's a good timeline. Right, because we ha Quakes have younger guys yeah. like Cruz Medina who are coming through the pipeline, who the, the front office might be betting on in, in two or three years. But there's still probably two or three years before Cruz Medina is ready to be starting for the first team. And within that time, the Quakes could sign Diego Luna. They could he can make a big impact in their playoff push, and then they could look to sell him on to sure. Europe. So before Cruz Medina is even ready to touch a starting lineup, you could have a really successful period of a year and a half, two years with Diego Luna. Yeah, check it. I mean, I, I highly recommend folks go check out the uh, the USU 20 team. It's been really exciting this season. I think the next match is on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning. -ish. So check the schedule. Um, I don't think they have an, an opponent uh, scheduled yet because there are more games pending, but that will be coming up. Robert, it looked like you had one other thing you wanted to add before we get out of here. You know, I think Diego Luna would be a really fascinating addition to this club. And I just want to say that it would be 
Diego's decision whether or not he would want to come back to San Jose, mm-hmm. just given some of the uh, you know some of the history of what's happened in the past. I think he would fit in great, uh, but he would have to really want to feel like he he was uh, he was made a part of this club. So interesting ideas, interesting ideas. But uh, we'd have to see what Diego said about that. All too. right, great. Well, I have a couple last things before we head out of here. One, I wanted to wish a very happy birthday to Jessica. Uh, thank you for tuning into the show and for following us here on the Aftershock. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jessica. And uh, once again, I want to thank everybody who's been tuning in with us, the folks that we got to say hello to out here in the stadium. That was really nice. Um, again, I want to redirect folks over to quakesepicenter.com. Check out the Patreon. Check out the salary spreadsheet. Thank you, Jamie, for putting that on there for us. Quakesepicenter.com slash Patreon. And you can follow us on social media at quakesepicenter on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow there. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you could see uh, and turn on those notifications so you can see the next time we will be with you, which is typically after each match so i want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight it's always after each match we haven't missed one match in 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 four years what are you talking about phil four years well you know we've been on for two years at least three matches running right (laughs) exactly exactly well we're on for other stuff too we have mid mid (laughs) midweek content it looks like oh jamin's is jamin gonna speak all right listen listen. he's blessed us we we've got big news we've got big news (laughs) So I need to double check it. I put it on the, I put it on the. Totally. Uh, this is like yes. this is like the earthquake substitution. Come on, but they don't need yeah. it. <laughs> so I, after like shock, the one hundred is coming. Try. Just trying though. Sign language. Can you guys hear me? Thumbs up. We love you. That means we've done a good show, right, Jamin? <laughs> Can you hear? You can't hear me. He nodded. He shook his head after. We can't hear you though. No. all right folks hey thanks for joining us tonight uh like subscribe turn on those notifications i hope you have a wonderful evening we'll see you after the seattle match take care all right now this is payback he's not ending the show